Hi, everybody. This is Caitlin Magraeus here with another episode of the Be Her Village podcast. Our podcast covers all the services that are available to new moms, interesting people, new moms, their experiences, experienced moms. And today we are lucky enough to have Dr. Amanda Salazar with us. Hi, Amanda. And she is a psychologist, a mindfulness teacher. She has an advanced degree in mindfulness. um, And she runs the Mindful Mothering Facebook group, which has 3,000 people in it. Yes. At this time, we're at 3,700 something. Wow. And it's mostly local moms, but it's not all local moms. It's it's a Facebook group, so anybody can be a part of it. But most of the people are relatively local. Local to Long Island. Yes, that's what also. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> local yes. to where we are. Local right to now. where I am. We are, in Linden- <laughs> we are in Lindenhurst at the moment. We are at the beautiful Sea Change Holistic Wellness Center. Yes. Isn't the space stuff so Yes, and it's, like I said before, much larger than I had imagined. It's very spacious. It is. It's really beautiful. And what Heather has created here. So in awe of her, I literally just called her up and I was like, I need to meet you because you were just like out of the blue. I'm going to create a holistic yes. wellness center. Yes. And then she did it. And anyway, yes. she's awesome. A woman and on a mission. She is a woman on a mission yes. and she's so great. I feel like when I'm in a room with her, it's just like the energy is just flowing. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for coming. Of course. I'm I excited really to be here. And it's our first time meeting, which is super cool because I feel like we're so aligned in our goals yeah. about bettering motherhood. And I... Personally, I'm making it a huge goal to just work with other women and not against other women and not be competitive. And I want, I really strongly believe that the more of us that work together, the further that we'll get. And so each of us has all of this talent and all of this drive and all of this expertise and we're coming at it in a different way. And so I love that the two of us are sitting here talking about. And there's a lot of people that need help. So even if you're doing the exact same thing, one person's not enough. It's so the more, the, the more, the merrier. I love, I love that you brought that up. It's not enough. And there's also, this came up in a conversation I had with Lauren Oak, who's a postpartum doula. There's such personality differences that it's, even if there were exactly enough people for one, the, right. you need to really like choose your providers based mm-hmm. off of what feels good for you. In psychology, we're taught that rapport is everything. It doesn't matter what your clinical orientation is, what your age or race it's is there the flow is there the connection is there the rapport and that's more important because if it's not there you don't feel safe absolutely and you're you're gonna have your guard up and at least in the birth dual world which is where I'm coming from this it's like there there's no room for guards in labor right sure (laughs) stripping your guards away so you want to make sure you're in the room with somebody that feels really really good yeah yeah so tell us about your practice what does that look like is your entire psychology practice is is that based on motherhood are you seeing other people so um I have a degree um from Hofstra a doctorate degree school community psychology so I actually did start as a school psychologist I worked in the Valley Stream District for about four years it wasn't for me um when you work in the school, people don't realize how difficult it is because you have so many bosses. The primary client is the student, but the student's not 18. So you technically have to listen to what the parent says, even if you and them aren't in agreement. And then you have teachers and you have principals, assistant principals, superintendents, director of special education. And there were times where I was literally told, in your report, say this, and someone else would say, no, in your report, say this. Ooh, that doesn't sound very ethical. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's, it's hard. 
dynamic and it caused so much anxiety for me mm-hmm. that it just, it wasn't for me. Um, so you have your own private so practice. So now I, I finished my degree and I have my own clinical practice. I work in Oakdale, Family Psychology of Long Island. There's, I think, eight doctors there. Um, half are school psychologists, so they're only there once a week. I'm actually the only female that's there full time. Um, and I work with older children, adolescents, and adults. So I don't specialize with in motherhood, but just through referrals, I do see a lot of moms. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I love all, all of my clients. I, there, there's a connection with moms with young children because whether or not people are listening, no, I'm four months pregnant at this point. I have two, <laughs> We're talk about that, but I, love I, it. Yeah, <laughs> I have two kids, you know, young kids of my own, my stepdaughter's 10. So it's so easy to relate to the struggles that women are having, the insecurities that are just so prevalent in our society that, um, I do have a large percentage of, of moms in my practice, but not because that's necessarily the specialty, just because sometimes your specialty finds you. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. For that. Yes. But you know, just yeah. like you said, it's, it's heart work. It's like rapport yeah. and you're yeah. drawn to women. And that's how I feel um, like in my dual practice about me back moms. Like I love all the women I work with, but there's something really special having been through be back yeah. myself about, working with those women, I can really relate to them and identify with them in a way that I can't with everybody else in that same way. So, um, so tell me about your mindful mother, mindful mothering group. The group. Yes. Yes. So, um, I have a degree in MBSR, which stands for mindfulness-based stress reduction. There's a handful of us on Long Island. I want to say six, but I'm don't quote me on that exact number. Um, it's an extensive training under someone named John Kabat-Zinn through the University of Massachusetts. So you actually have to travel oh, wow. there. And the reason I was able to do it was because after I gave birth in 2014, I had such bad postpartum anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. I was suicidal. It was extremely awful. So that, thank you. But it, it wound up being okay because it changed the trajectory of everything. I had to take time off of school. Mm-hmm. I was in severe physical pain, which was actually a result of the anxiety. So I could take the time off and travel to UMass. I actually was laying in the back of the car and my mom was driving. We would go. It was once a week. So we would travel. We would spend the night and then we would travel back. My daughter would come with us. It was actually a bonding experience for my mom and my daughter. It was it was really nice. So I was able to accrue this degree. And part of the degree is you have to create a curriculum that is an umbrella of that curriculum. So that's an eight-week curriculum to reduce stress for chronic disease, um, cancer. It was developed for people that couldn't be helped. It was like a last-ditch effort by UMass Hospital in Worcester to try and help people that were falling through the cracks that weren't being helped. Um, So I created this curriculum called Mindful Mothering, and I – periodically do workshops and the group just kind of came out of that mm. because not everyone can commit. So four weeks, two hours a week or a the lot, $200 yeah. financial commitment. So the group is free. Mm. Um, and it's just to kind of help people understand that they're not alone. I felt so alone mm. in the beginning after giving birth. Like that was part of the anxiety. I just felt like I was doing everything wrong. I was a doctor. I should know what I'm doing. And I didn't. My husband is a nurse and 
he has a daughter. I have a stepdaughter, which actually made it worse. Mm-hmm. Like he was wonderful and doing all of the things that he needed to do, but it made me feel like, wow, my husband knows how to do everything and I know how to do nothing. And these moms talk about not letting their husband do anything. And I was in the opposite boat. So it was so isolating. So really the impetus for the group, in addition to having it be a conjunction with the workshops, was for me to make friends too. And I don't want to mention names, but I met a handful of my, one of my best friends. If you want to. It's okay. (laughs) One of my best friends I met through the group. Like, um, you know, Jessica Denny, she's in the doula community. Yeah, she's great. We got really close because she came to one of my workshops. Um, I, our daughters go to school together, but that's how we really formed a bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a handful of other moms that I'm so close with now. And I'm so thankful for that relationship. And it's really because of the group. And I want other moms to do that too. Moms I'll never, ever meet, yep. but, oh, this is your experience. Oh, this is my experience too. And and sometimes I see that and it's so wonderful. A mom will post a struggle that she's having and then all these other moms will swoop in mm-hmm. and be there for her. And the group, one of the rules is you can't give direct advice, which oh, is like very different than a lot of <laughs> other groups. That's what people love yes. to mom's group. Yes. And so the rule, it's part of mindfulness is that if you give someone advice, you're not allowing them to discover what they need to on their own and realize that the answer is within, but people still need support and reinforcement and to say me too. Like, you know, this is what worked for me. It might not work for you, but I, but I understand because I went through that too. So that's, that's kind of the goal of where it is now, just being a really supportive community. And, you know, we do Friday brags, we do Tuesday venting sessions and Monday musings where we just talk about either hot topics that are going on culturally or something that I found interesting in an article or a mom has a question and they don't want to post it. So we do it anonymously. So it's just kind of food for thought. It's amazing. Get the juices flowing. When you were talking about your struggle with postpartum anxiety, it, it sounds like my beginning as well. And I think it's interesting because the people that find themselves as birth professionals in birth work, doulas, psychologists, Uh, I mean, really any of them, postpartum doulas, lactation consultants, it's almost like the vast majority of us, not all of us, but most of us have had some sort of traumatic experience where I don't like love the word traumatic because it's, I think it's a word you can only describe your own experience as, right? Right. Um, But definitely, certainly less than ideal interaction with the healthcare system or, or finding yourself alone and that isolation and loneliness that you just described, it was like you were describing my experience. I was so incredibly alone and I had people in the room with me. So it wasn't about that. Like I always feel bad saying I'm creating be her village because I was completely unsupported. I feel like every time I say that I want like an asterisk put up, like my mom was there. My dad was there. (laughs) Like people were trying. My husband was there. Yeah. But I still felt very isolated and lonely in my experience. Yeah. I didn't have anybody there saying, this is okay, yeah. saying you're doing great, that, at least that I believed, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and telling me that it wasn't permanent. There yeah. was like this feeling of sitting there holding a newborn. My body had just had surgery and my breasts were like leaking milk and my baby was screaming. And it's like, this felt like my new life, like it was yeah. going to be forever. And so I love that you took that experience similar to my own birth experience and changed it into something positive. And it's 
oddly enough, it's something that I'm grateful for now. Like everything I went through. The relationship with my daughter is something that is indescribable. I have never loved someone as much as her. And I do think that part of it is because it was so hard. Like, like I, I am comfortable saying this out loud today that when the doctor handed her over to me, all I wanted to do was throw her back. Mm. I didn't want her. I, I thought I was going to fail her and it was so scary. And the grit of getting through that just, I think like I, I'm going to get tearful yeah. talking about it. Just, I think that it's, it's made our relationship so much better. Yeah. It's, that's a really common thing. And I'm so happy that we've just met and we're talking about <laughs> it. This is the work that needs to be done. And this yeah. is what women need to hear. It is so common to regret having your baby. It is really common and is not something people say. Whether it's in it's that so first shameful. moment. It's so shameful. What kind of mother are you? You don't love your child. Like, I love them so much. I want to get rid of them. <laughs> like, sometimes that's it. Like, but it's sometimes it's that first moment. Yeah. And sometimes it's being handed that baby and being like, I feel nothing. You know, yeah. and that's a scary thing for yeah. for partners as well. Um, but yeah, it, it can happen in newbornhood I mean I used to put my son down and this is a horrible thing that I don't generally share unless I'm sitting with a mom who I can see is suffering from postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or feeling like that lack of connection I just look at them and I say I used to put my son down for the night you know like put him in his crib and I would be so exhausted and so glad he was finally asleep and I would close my eyes and pray and pray and pray that he wouldn't stop breathing because that was my postpartum anxiety telling me he wasn't safe and at the same time, I would pray for like one second that he would yeah. stop breathing, which is I, a, I get an it. awful thing to <laughs> think and to say out loud. But that was how... It was so much pressure. There was so much pressure. And I, I was a, a product of my love. I loved him more than I ever loved anything. But the love was scary. It was yeah. overwhelming how much yeah. I loved him and how he had taken over my entire consciousness, you yeah. know, <laughs> like yeah. every minute of every day. Yeah. So I love that we're able to have these conversations and that we're both doing work to yeah. help other moms. Uh, not like, I don't think we're going to prevent anybody from having those experiences, but at the very least, maybe it won't take as long. It like won't it, take as it long took and me a long time to accept that it was okay for me to have those feelings. And yes. it was because I didn't have someone sitting next to me saying these feelings aren't normal because I wasn't saying them out loud. So it wasn't wasn't my mom's fault or my husband's fault. Like it was, it was, uh, it was manifesting physically. I I wasn't verbalizing it. Yes. And that's part of why it's important to tell our stories and to, and to kind of like take away the stigma of if you're not the perfect mother, this image that we have to contend with of the perfect mother that like her body snaps right back into her old jeans and her breast milk is flowing, but it's also being pumped because she only has six weeks unpaid maternity leave. And 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 it's impossible to fulfill because you, you get, you get shamed for breastfeeding. You get shamed for formula feeding. You get shamed for staying at home. You get shamed for going to work. And that's, that's what mindful mothering is all about is that it's okay if you breastfeed, if you formula feed, if you stay at home, if you go to work, all of it is okay if you're doing it mindfully, if you're doing it purposely. Absolutely. That's great. 
Thank you for doing that work. Of it's course. <laughs> it's helpful for me too. <laughs> yes, it is. Right? It's an ongoing pro- process. Yeah. I yeah. used to do um, the postpartum workshops through True Birth for our dual clients mm-hmm. and for really anybody who wanted to attend them. And I believe you went to a Yes, prenatal. I went to, I wasn't even pregnant at the time. I was in a room with other, I was very proactive. I, I was, I was with Kathy yes. and there was, I think, four other pregnant couples and we were at that point, not even trying, but we knew we had we had wanted to. It was um, it was a really nice experience. It was very meditative and connect. You know, we connected with the people that were there. Yeah, and I found the postpartum workshops were, and I hope you'll attend those as well. The postpartum workshops, it kind of doesn't matter if you have a baby postpartum. Like me, I was three years postpartum from my last birth, and Kathy's like nine years postpartum, <laughs> and we're still getting so much out of it because the workshops are about the women and the right. experience and not about the baby. And it's like, there's still so much work. Always. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit. If you don't mm-hmm. mind um, diving into birth. Sure. I want to talk about <laughs> birth. Okay. I will follow your lead. <laughs> okay. So here's my, here's the thing I want to talk about and we can go anywhere you want to go with it. But I think that there's a little bit of a disconnect in maybe pregnant people's mind, at least in my mind, mm-hmm. about why birth mattered to motherhood, right? Like, isn't birth just the day that we go into the hospital and maybe we get an epidural, maybe we don't, maybe we're having home birth. Like, but what what does it matter about how our birth goes and how we were made to feel at our birth versus motherhood? They, I guess the point I'm trying to make is I strongly believe that the way we're made to feel at our births and our power and our voice and our and our sense of confidence and self-esteem and the way we feel about our bodies and how it all unfolds, yeah. it matters because that's like our first step into motherhood, yeah. right? Yeah. And so for me, when I was stripped of my power, stripped of my voice, abandoned by my midwife, which we'll get into on another day, but um, I was left you know, like stunned by how quickly my birth got out of my control. And for my personality, especially, I was somebody who, before I gave birth the first time, thought of myself as the strong, outspoken person. That Warrior could take woman. Anything. Yeah, yeah. an independent woman, you yeah. know, and it's like, and then I was just systematically stripped of all of yeah. my power and, and left broken, like physically broken. I had had surgery and I was in pain and I had this child and then I was alone and I... And it, it really spun me off. And I just posted this YouTube video about how I ended up like in this anxiety driven, like desire to rid myself of toxins to the point where I became afraid of my furniture. Like I was, yeah. I was so in a tailspin, yeah. but I think it all started with the birth. So if you don't yeah. mind sharing sure. about your birth experience and your take on that, sure. it's important. Um, so my tubers so far were extremely different with my daughter. Um, I was five or six days late and my doctor had insisted um, to induce me and I knew no different. Um, I didn't have a doula. I didn't have a midwife. Um, I liked my OB. Um, and so we went to the hospital. I did not sleep a wink the night before knowing like I was going to have, we hadn't even picked the middle name at that. It was it so was, much to do. There was so much to do. Um, so, whatever we get in the room, the doctor comes in and, and there's Pitocin that's being hooked up next to me. And all of a sudden the doctor comes in, the nurse is talking to me and he's okay. We're just going to check something. And he breaks my, he, is that the correct term? Broke my water. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that how you say that right? Yeah. 
And he didn't tell me. And I didn't know that until I actually had a conversation two years ago with a friend who was pregnant. And she's like, oh, that's traumatic. And I was like, really? Because mm. I, I, didn't, I didn't know anything right. about that. Um, so as soon as he broke my water and the nurse actually said, oh, okay. Like the nurse didn't even know what was going on. And I don't want to say the doctor's name because I, I really did like him. But I didn't have a single contraction of Braxton Hicks prior. So I went from feeling zero to my contractions did not stop. They literally didn't stop. It was 45 minutes of just contracting, 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 contracting. I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going in, like you said, I'm a strong, independent woman. I'm not going to use an epidural. I'm not going to blah, 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 blah. And someone comes in and they're like, okay, there's someone who's getting a C-section. So either you can get your epidural now because you're six centimeters or you're going to have to wait over an hour. And I felt so much pressure because... Nothing happened the way I expected. It literally went from zero to 60 and it was 45 minutes of the most intense pain I've ever experienced in my life mm-hmm. that I decided to get the epidural. And even in that moment, I felt like a failure because it was against what I had wanted. Right. So long story, not really short. After that, everything went quote unquote normal. I had my baby in approximately eight hours. I pushed for 15 minutes, minimal tearing, like no physical issues on my part. But as soon as I gave birth, it was like postpartum set in immediately. For most people, and I can speak about this as a psychologist, hormonally, it actually does take a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. for it to set in. But for me, it was instantaneous. Like I had mentioned earlier, I didn't want my daughter. I didn't know what to do with her. And I had had issues with chronic pain prior and they just got so bad. I thought that I broke something. I thought that I tore something. My mom was fully supportive and she's like walking around the hospital being like, how do I get my daughter physical therapy? Because she, because that was what had helped me before. Like everyone was so scared for me. I wasn't sleeping, not because of the baby, but because I couldn't sit. I couldn't lay. I was in so much pain, not vaginally. Right. Just in the places that normally hurt. And it was because my nervous system was on fire. I was so scared. So it took months and months of months for me, who was a psychologist at the time, to get my own psychologist to go on psychotropic medication to do the things I needed to do because I didn't see it as postpartum. It's really hard to see it. When you're in it. Right. I saw it as like a pain condition, a physical thing. And I subsequently learned... And a lot of my practice actually is in mind-body medicine now, helping people understand that headaches aren't always just headaches. Sometimes they're emotional issues manifesting as headaches. So anyway, that birth set the template for the second. And so when I got pregnant with my son, which wasn't on purpose, which is so not who I am, and I'm, but I'm so thankful for it because I never would have had the courage to try to get pregnant. Wow. Um, but I decided to get a C-section. Which, oh my God, you tell someone in the grocery store and they're like, what's wrong with you? Like that, like instant judgment. Yeah. But I don't regret it at all because I needed to be in somewhat of control. Yep. And in my mind, it was like, I know the baby's coming on this day. I know they're being taken out of me. I know that I can handle surgery. I've had other surgeries in my life. I have the support, you know, who's going to watch my daughter while I'm feeling better. And I did what I needed to do. In retrospect, like, 
it's not, I don't want to say crazy. Like I don't, I wish I didn't have to choose to have a C-section to feel control, to feel control, but it was the right thing at the right time. And now with my third, it's so crazy how things progress that what makes me feel like I'm going to be in control is I'm currently um, interviewing midwives. I'm currently looking into doulas so that I can have a whole team that will help me feel empowered, which I didn't know any of that existed before. Right. right. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question. I, it kind of doesn't matter at this point. If you did. But that was my, that was my, but that it, was my birth experience. And I do want to say one other thing, cause I yeah. knew this question was going to come up and I think you and I respectfully have slightly different ideas about this. Oh good. I think. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I, oh really? I think, I think that birth is extremely important and I do agree with you, especially negatively how we can absolutely set you on a tailspin and it'd be the first mm-hmm. step that you walk down that rabbit hole and take, might take years to climb back out. But I think that there's a, I'm trying to think of the word, it could be risky to emphasize it too much because that's the opposite of mindfulness. Mindfulness is paying attention to this moment. Mm-hmm. So if the birth was good or bad or however you judge it, that doesn't necessarily matter what this moment is. Right. And for some people, birth is awesome and beautiful and a wonderful experience. And it really does set them on an upward positive trajectory. But for others, I feel like emphasizing it too much can actually make the trauma reenacted. I absolutely agree with you on that, for sure. I think part of, I appreciate that perspective a lot. I think part of when we talk about birth being important, it's, they've done studies and it shows that the way we're treated during our birth and the way we're made to feel during Mm -hmm. our birth matters for decades and decades. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's just, um, I think, you know, it's hard because you have, you're probably handling it on the back end, right. Of people who perhaps are perseverating or re-traumatizing themselves. And I have a question related to that in terms of like retelling your story and and not having the correct support, like Mm -hmm. mental health trained professionals, right. Because there's a lot of well-intentioned groups out there, mm-hmm. but they're like peer based yeah. or doulas without mental health training. Or even, and, even opinion based over factually based. Right. I mean, and that's a slippery slope yeah. when it comes to yeah. supporting someone who's yeah. been through real trauma. Yeah. I think part of my emphasis on birth and the importance is a, just that it makes the imprints that what happens to us on that day do mm-hmm. stay with us. But also I think part of Be Her Village and this podcast is about reaching women before they give birth. And I know I, before I gave birth, had no idea how important it would be. So there's like this, yeah, we don't want people to like perseverate and re-traumatize themselves and get stuck on maybe things didn't go well. So your life is ruined. You can never feel good about it. Um, I also am a big believer in how we feel about our birth changes, right? Because I felt great about my first birth while I was in the hospital because you want to, you want to hear this? I literally was like throughout the traumatic birth. I was literally just like saying out loud to myself and to my mother, this is not traumatic. I am not traumatized. This is not traumatic. Like just, it was almost actively in denial. Like hopefully (laughs) this is, this is not, it was almost like, this is not traumatic question. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
And then afterwards, when, you know, the oxytocin wears off and all the good feelings go away, it's like, what are we left with? What, yeah. what happened here? Yeah. Um, and now here I am seven years later, and I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful for that experience. Not thrilled with it. Right, <laughs> Still not right. feeling great about it. But I'm grateful that it existed because I found my purpose. I feel like I found my purpose mm-hmm. in life, and I'm connecting with all these incredible women yeah. that are feeling the same way as I am. And we're all working towards something so much bigger than ourselves. And Mm -hmm. and for me, I'm like, okay, I, at least at the very least, if I had to go through this traumatic time, at least I am the type of person that, that turned it into my life's work, you know, like it's like, that was not how I wanted, but, and I think that could be said of a lot of things. Like a lot of people who go through hardships, they Mm -hmm. then just make it their life's work to, help other people either prevent having that hardship or help them through it on the other side. That's giving it a purpose. That's, that's part of working through trauma is seeing it from a cognitively, you know, changing the shifting, the perspective is seeing it as, okay, not denying that that wasn't awful, but saying, okay, that was awful. And this is what I'm going to do with it. I'm right. going to, I'm going to empower myself a little bit more. And, and the, goal, I guess, I don't like that word either. The intention is this third birth, I don't want to use the word rectify, but could help to empower the other two that didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, cause I'm not there yet. I don't know. You're in the unknown. I'm in the unknown and I don't want to. Which is why it's almost exciting, more yeah. exciting to talk to you now because you're both a birth <laughs> worker and, and working in this field. And it's happening. But you're also there. You're in your unknown. You don't yeah. know how this birth story will unfold. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a very unique place. You're in the same place as the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I feel your pain <laughs> and your joy. <laughs> So yeah. let's talk a little bit about how you are preparing differently. Sure. Before we came on air, it was like, I have my nighttime doula set up. <laughs> I have my, and we just yeah. had an interview with Lauren Oak, who yeah. does overnights. Yeah. And so tell me about sure. that. Tell me about how you are lining up your support, why you are, and what you're looking for. So a beautiful thing happened. One of many beautiful things happened when I started Mindful Mothering. I started connecting with people that were in this field, um, a field that I had no idea even existed. Um, so I, and we'll get into this later. I, I, I run retreats that often have providers coming in like Reiki practitioners and, um, people don't, we do a good gift bag. So people donate and a lot of doulas donate, um, either discounts. And I want to speak specifically about Mary, um, is it Beth Sally? Am I saying it right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because every retreat that I do, she always gives tea and she's very generous in terms of the, of the tangible things. Um, and I was speaking with her. She's so open and kind and, and available, at least to me. <laughs> and I appreciate that a lot. Um, and so she was just giving me advice and, and, and saying, you know, maybe do this instead of that. Um, I wound up getting pregnant the last day of my period, which, what? which is good when you want to be pregnant. Well, right. 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 <laughs> that's right, awful. right. That's really awful. Right. When you're right. 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 That. Right. But it was frustrating because I, I, it had been three months and I know that there are plenty of people out there that try way longer than three months. And so I empathize with you because three months was really hard for me because my other two, the first was the first time. And the second one was oops. Yeah. Um, 
And so I was talking to her and I'm like, what can I do? Because I don't feel right at that. Like something told me this doesn't feel right. Right. And um, it wasn't right. Like I wasn't ovulating. I didn't think I was ovulating, but I was. It was just so much earlier. So she helped me in terms of like, this is what you should look for in terms of how you feel, physical things. Um, and so we just started building a relationship. And I just started talking to her. Um, and that's kind of how I understood the importance of a doula. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first thing that I wanted to solidify was an overnight doula. Mm-hmm. Um, I, had, I had a breast reduction. So with my first two, I tried to breastfeed for a couple of weeks. And the milk was barely, barely there. And with my first, I decided to go on medication, which wasn't conducive. I wasn't comfortable. It would potentially could have been okay, but I wasn't comfortable personally mm-hmm. breastfeeding while being on the medication that I was on. It was a personal choice. Um, so I want this time to be different. I right. want, I want to have more support and more knowledge. I didn't know if I just didn't know anything about it before. So I actually hired a postpartum doula who's also a lactation consultant for the dual purpose of having someone help me at night. Because for me, the nighttime was the scariest. Like you had mentioned before, mm-hmm. oh my God, they're going to stop breathing. Yep. I don't really think about that during the day, but I can't stop thinking about that at night. Mm-hmm. That's when those intrusive thoughts, right. all your guards are down. You're so tired. Right. You're so alone at night. Right. Yeah. So that, so I've done that already. I've solidified a postpartum overnight dual and lactation consultant. And um, for reasons I don't need to get into, I was high risk for the first trimester. So um, I'm with my OB, who I like, a different one than the first one. Um, but my plan is eventually to switch over to a midwife. And I have a couple of meetings set up with a variety of midwives. That's and wonderful. I love, I just um, recorded a, an episode with Colleen Heinze mm-hmm. from Gaia and who I think is one of the yes. midwife practices yes. interviewing. And we talked about how so many women, because they're paying out of pocket, will interview several doulas, which of course, highly encouraged because it is this like personality click that has to happen. But then they're just like, I'll just go with my OB because I've been seeing them since I was 13. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. you're a birth provider. I love to hear that you're interviewing yeah. your provider as much as you're interviewing and thinking about doula support yeah. as well. Yeah. So how many nights, if you don't mind me asking, yeah. like what, what kind of package did you sign up for? What do you anticipate needing? Um, so I don't, I don't know <laughs> what I anticipate needing is those, one of those unknowns. Yes. The way that it works is she requires, I think it's her shifts are eight hours. So she requires, I believe three days and she, but she books you for two weeks. Um, and she, so you could have as little as three days within those three weeks, or you could have 14 days um and then you reassess and say okay I need you to stay longer like she's currently working I don't know if she still is but when I spoke to her last a couple of weeks ago she was working with twins um so she was obviously there longer (laughs) than she would have been there she'll she'll be there for me um so I don't know yet and I like that she's so flexible in terms of okay this is the time that I've set aside for you Mm -hmm. you let me know 
And so right. she's going to, it's going to be beautiful. She's going to be there the day I get home from the hospital at 10, at 10 PM. That's beautiful. So I know. I need someone like that right? now. Like at, from like <laughs> seven to 10, like just put my kids yes. down and do my yes. dishes and then you can go yes. home. We yes. should start that. We yes. should, let's get this off the ground oh for birthing people and then we can start oh, making villages yes. for yes. people with older kids. Yes. <laughs> Putting them, that time is so hard because I don't get home until 930 because my last client's ending at nine. Yeah. And my husband can't. I don't blame him. I probably couldn't either. Like, can't get everyone to bed. So we then they're excited that I'm home, and it's just, ugh, bedtime is hard. <laughs> bedtime is really hard. Yeah. My husband does the bulk of it, but I feel bad sometimes watching him do it. <laughs> I'll read you. a story here and there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so any other kind of support that you've lined up for yourself? You have your birth doula, your interviewing midwives, yes. postpartum doula. Um, And I – purposely picked the overnight doula who was a lactation specialist. Because you want to make sure you have I that. want, yes, yeah. I really want. And also, um, I know, I don't know a lot about what Be Her Village is going to offer. I'm very yeah. excited yeah, and eager. Yeah, we can talk about it. Totally. Awesome. Um, but I know that, like, cooking and, and laundry and all of that stuff, but I, I'm spoiled. I have a wonderful caregiver because – I work full time. My husband works full time. My kids yeah. are not in school age yet. Um, so she helps me with meals and she helps me with That's laundry. So yeah. that isn't a service that I need, but I'm But if you didn't have but her, if I didn't have her, her. <laughs> I, and my parents also live two miles away. That's great. And you know, they're very they're wonderful grandparents and they're very eager to help. So yeah. I do have a lot of support and I have through mindful mothering and just life, I have mm-hmm. a lot of good friends too. So um, important. I'm actually having, yeah. um, I'm one of my closest friends is Ashley Macriello from mm-hmm. I know I keep Gaia. seeing, I have an interview with her yeah, okay. in March. I keep seeing you post pictures and I was like, Oh yeah. So I'm going to, I'm like, what do I have her on the podcast to talk about? Cause we could talk about a million different topics, yeah. but I'm like, let's talk about friendship and moms and friendship because it's, it's so, so important. important. Yeah. It's so important. I think people are craving connection. I just put up a, um, a quote on the group the other day that said something like, um, it was the self-care quote. When we throw self-care at people and don't provide them with community, we're failing people. And I stand so by that because sometimes you don't have the energy to even understand what self-care is. And yes, yes, it's important, but sometimes the community care needs to come first. Well, that's what the entire concept of Be Her Village is. So let me explain a little bit exactly what it is because you're like exactly who would be looking into (laughs) using it. Um, so we launched April 1st, which is very exciting. How Yay. it's going to work. Yay, finally. I keep saying we're going to launch next month. We're going to launch next month. We're going to launch. Do you know how hard it is to put together a website? So much harder yeah. than I thought it was when I created this idea. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea what was involved. Yeah. So anyway, it's definitely happening April 1st. So what it's going to be is it's going to be really flexible because I tried to put myself in the shoes of somebody who's about to have a baby. Even if it's your third baby, you still have no idea what this baby is going to be like, what your needs are. Um, So it's a cash gift registry. So what that means is the person who's registering, the pregnant person can go on, learn about all the different services. And we're going to have preset services in there. So we're going to have, I mean, literally everything you can think of, like, yoga, mommy and me groups, placenta, um, mental health counseling, parent coaching, health coaching, acupuncture, chiropractor, massage, postpartum doulas, photography, midwife. I mean, everything. I can go on and on. I think it was 25 categories the last time I checked. So, so it's everything. But, um, 
if you're not seeing a category that you want on there, if you're not seeing a service that you know that you would like your family to gift to you, you can also customize your services. So let's say you're using Mary Vetselli mm -hmm. as your, um, as your doula and she's not listed on the be her village site. She's not popping up when our doulas come up. Mm -hmm. You can just make a registry item that says Mary Betselli doula services, however much money. And then your family and friends can buy you chunks of that. Mm. So it's completely customizable for you since you don't know what you're going to need. And maybe it's not everything that we have on there. You can make it exactly the registry you want. Here's why we did a cash registry. We're going to have family and friends being able to purchase parts of the support services that right. you want. They're going to send that money straight into your bank account. And so that way you have this chunk of money that you can use for doulas, lactation consultants, all of these services. But when things change, mm. you can change your plans and the money and the gift is not wasted. So when you sign up for three nights of postpartum overnight doulas, and then you're like, I need a bunch more of those. Yes. And maybe I don't need my photographer. or Maybe I don't need that yoga class. You can take that, those funds and funnel yeah. them to exactly where you need the yeah, money. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I just, I I'm like trying to think of it from two perspectives, well, three perspectives really, but I'm trying to think of it from the pregnant person's perspective, but also as a gift buyer, I have a really hard time mm -hmm. buying gifts for yeah. baby showers yeah. because having been through it, I know people don't need all yeah. this crap. They just, they yeah. just don't need it. Mm -hmm. And there's this sense or like, new don't need it new. They don't need it new, but they like, if you go on and I don't know if you've yeah. been on for this pregnancy, if you go on, to I have like, 11 items. 11. That is what I got. That sounds very reasonable. <laughs> the registry suggested checklist that yeah. these bo big box stores, it's like you need thousands of dollars worth of toys stuff. and clothes. Like you, you, you don't know how I big wish you're on video you right now so you can see the face of me. <laughs> like you could have a premier, you could have a 10 pound baby that's never going to be in size newborn. Right. And the other thing is people are buying you baby clothes regardless of what you register that, for. Exactly. You do not need to register exactly. for baby clothes at yes. all. So, so that's Be Her Village is really, I mean, it's a gift registry, certainly. It's really about creating access because we want moms to have the access. First it's of all, to have the knowledge. I was going to say, it's, it's an education educational. First. Yeah. And we have a really big announcement coming next week on that front, but we, I don't want to get into it yet, but it's very, very exciting. Um, although maybe I could just tell you because it's probably going to air by the time we announce. Okay. Um, but essentially, <laughs> we're partnering with, um, a couple of incredibly talented maternal health researchers and they're sharing their data with us. And we're going to have a really highly evidence-based um, part of our website for women to not just get articles about like, yeah. Hey, this is helpful, but like, here's the evidence yeah. linking why we need these services Cause and effect. because of their outcomes. Yeah. And it's going to be really data driven and we're going to be doing research and it's really exciting yes. stuff. Um, so let me make sure. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so it is a place for women to even understand. Part of it is like, you're a perfect example. And and I think I am too, because I didn't know about any yeah. of these services that were available to me until after I had kids, until after I at least had my first one. Yeah. And it's this very, like, you need to know somebody mm -hmm. to know. You have to, like, be in the know. Yeah. You know, you have to, like, know somebody who used a doula or whose yeah. sister used a doula. And it's like, no, no, no. I want people to come to Be Her Village to learn all about the evidence, all about the articles, all about the first-person narratives, find out the different specialties that exist, and then add them to your registry yeah. so that people can buy them for you. As a gift buyer, 
I have a hard time, A, buying off the registries because they don't need the vast money. You need and a car seat. So you need a crib. It's so overpriced. There's, and you know what? Like, this is for me, but I think a lot of people echo the sentiment. I don't want stuff in my house. Mm-hmm. My house is already has plenty of stuff. I, I'm like a clutter-free. I try to be anyway. For someone who's clutter-free, I have a lot of clutter. Like, I'm trying yeah. actively, but the You're stuff, in the process. <laughs> it feels like it piles on, yeah. though, despite yeah. me not shopping, despite me trying to be conscious of it. And... So to, to gift somebody something that's going to take up space and not actually be impactful is hard for me. Yeah. But I don't know, even as somebody who knows about doulas and lactation consultants and mental health and all these great things that we need, I can't pick somebody's doula or yeah. pick their LC or pick like which counselor they want to go see. Right. But, and I also, even if I could, I couldn't afford it. I'm not buying a $350 right. gift. I'm not right. buying a $2,000 gift. So with Be Her Village, what we're doing is we're helping the women choose what they want and then we're making it to like bite-sized chunks. So you can buy a hundred bucks of somebody's thing yeah. or buy $50. Like you could buy somebody meal, their dinners for a week. Yeah. How amazing. Like yeah. how much more impactful is that yeah. than, I don't know, pacifiers. Well, I don't know. Pacifiers are really good. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it depends on the kid. I it have does. one of I, my, my niece and my nephew like barely ever use them. Whereas my daughter, I was, yanking five out of her mouth at three years old like it totally depends on the the child yes there's so much we don't know about our kid like are they going to be bib users are they going to be drooling are they going to be spitting up right every kid is so different yeah yeah so So, love it it sounds thank you wonderful and i'm excited that i'm going to be still pregnant um so i want to just wrap up today by asking you what you would say directly to our audience of pregnant people who are listening, what, if you could give them one piece of advice as they enter their birth, as they enter motherhood. Okay. And it might be hard to narrow down. You can, everybody's been throwing in like an extra one, but it doesn't have to be mindfulness and psychology based. It can be, but what Amanda Salazar would you say to a pregnant person who's about to step into this thing called motherhood? That it's going to be messy. It is. There's no denying that. And just because it's messy doesn't mean it's not okay. And even if it's not okay, doesn't mean that it's always not going to be okay. Like, I, I feel like I can't not briefly talk about mindfulness. Mindfulness is, is paying attention to the here and now and recognizing the impermanence of everything. So if things are messy and you don't feel good about that, okay, it's, it's a, it's a moment or a handful of moments, even if it's weeks, it, it will shift and it will change mm-hmm. and it will get clean and then it will get messy again and try and drop some of those expectations because some will get met, some will be exceeded and some won't be. And you don't want to set yourself up for disappointment. Just be open. I love that. That's my message. That's a beautiful <laughs> message. I'm sticking to it. Can I really quickly plug my Please. retreat that's coming oh, up? Of course. Oh my goodness, we didn't even talk no, about it's your okay. retreats. No, it's fine. Plug it's away. Fine. I want to hear all of um, it. And so I want to come. Please, <laughs> besides, please do. Besides plugging it. <laughs> well, like, where do I sign up? I put it in my calendar. Already, awesome. By the way, just so awesome. I wouldn't miss it. And I wouldn't book something on Else, that day. Great. <laughs> so I'll be really brief. So normally I do two a year, one in June and one in September, but I'm giving birth in August. So this year we're only doing one. The date is June 13th and the rain date is the 14th because it is on the beach oceanfront outside. So if it, unfortunately, if it does rain both days, we will, we will hold it that Sunday. But, um, 
It is an all-day event on Fire Island. Um, you arrive on a ferry, you're greeted, you're brought back to the house. There's a beautiful breakfast spread. You get journals and pens and water bottles. And there's a soul circle we meet and we learn about each other. And then there's yoga. I have tons of providers that come. So a yoga person is coming and doing yoga for you an hour on the beach. Um, I do guided meditations. Um, I bring my mom with me because she is not a chef, but she should be. She is super healthy. So there's a lot of organic options, vegetarian, vegan, you name it. Um, we have it and it's just a day of coming together, relaxing and doing as much or as little as you want. You know, you can engage in all of the activities, the walks, the meditations, the yoga, or one person brought an umbrella, literally sat by herself and raved about the day. And I, if I felt bad at first because I'm like, this, she's not doing anything. Yeah. But I heard from someone who she came with was that she had a great time. So that. we have some luxury services that you pay a little $25, a little extra for there's Reiki massage and um, tarot, uh, excuse me, psychic reading. And then we're having a person from young living come and do make and take. So you get to make your own essential oils. And then we have a gift bag. So it's a full day of just relaxation so and indulgence, but being around like-minded people. And getting and, that in-person yes, connection. Yes, yes. hands-on support. And I love so how necessary. I still hear um, people, they're still friendly. They're mm -hmm. still connecting. They're getting together, and they wouldn't have met each other otherwise. And it's people who are younger, early 20s, up until late 60s. And they're just, they're there because they want to be there. They're there for the same reasons, they self-care, community care. And it's just, overall, it's a really nice day. So it's going, I think March 1st is the goal of when it's, when it's going to come out for advertisement. And the spots are limited. There's about 20 spots and it was filled up in a month last time. Wow. Um, and I would imagine it's probably going to fill up quicker. Because there's only one. There's only one. And I think yeah. it's just your group is it's reaching growing. more people. It's growing, yeah. Now that you've been running them. All I hear yeah. are just wonderful things. So nice. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> so relaxed. I'm like, can we go right now? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyway, so yes, that was that's my plug for my wonderful. retreat, and yeah. and we'll include all of your links to your website, cool. your Facebook group. Thank you so much for sitting it down so with nice me today. It was so nice to meet you. So nice to meet you too. And thank you, listeners. Talk to you next time.